This is the Offseason Podcast. Today is November 15th. I am your host, Ryan Hammer, and I got back with me my boy, Mike Venezia. Today, we're going to talk about who has surprised us and disappointed us so far this NBA season, some of the NBA award races, and some college basketball predictions, uh, I guess, a week into the, into the season so far. We'll also get to the weekly segments at the end. Hope you guys enjoy. First, we're going to start off with the surprising players and teams. Mike, I want to hear what you, what you think about that right away. Yeah, so just to start off in the Eastern Conference, I think sort of like the consensus surprise team is definitely the Wizards, um, yeah. starting off the year 8-3. and three. You know, after the Russell Westbrook trade, a lot of people sort of viewed it as, okay, they're in a rebuild, right? They forfeited a superstar, picked up a few role players. Um, they're probably going to regress a little bit this year. But they've been off to an awesome start. They play both great. They play both great offense and defense. Um, Montrezl Harrell has been an awesome add, too. There was a stretch. He was averaging 19 and 11 per game. And like after the first week of the year, he was in the quote unquote MVP ladder, which is unreal. <laughs> um, Spencer Dinwiddie's been awesome. Kyle Kuzma's just been really unselfish and he rebounds the heck out of the ball. Um, they've been awesome so far. And I definitely think Wes Unseld, um, rookie head coach, he's, he's doing an awesome job. So, you know, they have an interesting schedule coming up. Um, you know, that'll really provide them a real test, but we'll see where they go from there. Yeah, um, and then in addition to that, okay, yeah. No, keep going, keep going. Uh, all right, uh, cool. Um, in addition to that, the Cleveland Cavaliers have been awesome. Uh, seven and five. Um, Evan Mobley's been fantastic this year. Um, arguably yeah. the best. Yeah, well, arguably the best rookie, rookie in the NBA. Rookie of the year stuff. But, like, I, I, right away, how him and Jared Allen have been playing together, like, it's almost surprising. Like, they obviously have different tendencies, and Mobley can stretch the floor a little better and, sp- and space out, but they – the way they play together is incredible. It works so well. I'm so surprised by it. Yeah, me too. I didn't really expect them to mesh. And Jared Allen, he, he could be an all-star this year. He's literally <laughs> – he won player of the week last week. Yeah. He's averaging like 15 and 12, shooting 60%. He protects the rim. Kevin Love's not even in the picture anymore. They've moved on from him. And he's also hurt. As, but, he, should, you know, as he shouldn't be. Or as he should be, I guess. He should be exactly where he is for them. Exactly. He's definitely a potential buyout candidate midseason to go to a contender and yeah. You know, with Colin Sexton out with injury now, you know, the pressure's on Darius Garland to really blow up. And I mean, Ricky Rubio dropped 37 in MSG the other night, <laughs> which is high, hysterical. hysterical. Sure he like eight threes, right? Or something like that? Yeah, I think he shot like, he maybe shot like eight of 10 from three, something yeah, ridiculous. He, he was he was on fire. Yeah. Um, um, so those are my two surprise teams in the East. No, yeah, it's funny about the Cavs. Like, we everyone was thinking they were shopping Sexton at some point, which they kind of were, I, I would imagine. Um, and they didn't. And they didn't trade him. They stuck with him, him in Sexland, him in Garland, the backcourt of Sexland, uh, with a core off the bench now, I think. And, like, they've been getting Markkinen in. Markkinen is such a weird guy because, like, he should be so good. I feel like he is talented. Um, and he never blossomed before coming to Cleveland. And now that he's here, he's still not blossoming, but he looks more natural in their in their like lineup, I guess. I'm not really sure what it is. It gives him more freedom because he doesn't have to defend as much and play as a big when he's got Moby and Jared Allen defending the paint all the time. So maybe that's what it is. But Yeah, no, I guess we got to see, right? Um, yeah. And then in the West, uh, just two teams that really stick out. Um, the Warriors, right? Don't get me wrong. The Warriors are awesome. I, I definitely thought they were a perennial playoff team this year, but they're starting off 10-1 and one to the year and counting. Um, mm-hmm. Steph's been arguably the best player in the NBA outside of KD. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's close. It's close. <laughs> it's, we'll, talk, we'll, they, get, we'll, we'll do MVP race in a little while. Yeah, we'll do it a little while. Yeah. And they don't even have clay or Wiseman, and they're just running through teams left <laughs> and right. 
Um, and Clay said he's coming back soon. And the, the biggest thing about them, they are the number one team in de- in defensive efficiency rating in the league. That is ridiculous for the Warriors, who I don't know exactly where they were last year, but I can only imagine watching them play last year and watching Steph and Jordan Poole run around. They were bottom 10 in defensive efficiency last season. Um, so to completely flip that with basically the same roster is incredible, unbelievable. It's actually crazy. And adding back Udala, like like you just said, it helped him recover that defensive identity. and. Just like the roster makeup outside of Steph, Poole, and Clay when he comes back, they just really have a bunch of three and D wings that add so much versatility defensively. Like they did it right. You know, they got yeah. Kaminga, who they drafted. He could become an all NBA defender. Um, good, Otto yeah. Porter, nice three and D guy. You know, they got Iggy, Andrew Wiggins, man. Like he has accepted his role and he is playing extremely well. Did you see yeah. his two posters on Cat the other oh, night? I, I, you see what Steph, Steph said um, he's going to send, he's going to get a poster of it in his house. And he's going to send a picture of it to, to Wiggins before every single game the rest of the season to get him hyped up because he knows. And Steph was like, I know they have his three, so we, we need that energy. And I was like, damn, that was crazy. Yeah, just like that classic revenge game against your old team that gave you a lot of slander for disappointing as the number one pick. They're yeah. killing it. Good for them. And they, they can make it out of the West this year. They're very surprised. 100%. 100%. There's no, reason, there's no reason they can't when Steph's playing like this. And like, Clay, like I can only hope, comes back to anything close to what Clay was beforehand. I think defensively, he probably won't be there. Offensively, I think he'll be further, like, to 100% than defensively, right, especially right away. Um, but if he if he's coming to the number one defensive team in the league, he doesn't need to worry about that as much. So, not really that bad. Yeah, definitely. And my other surprise team in the West, I'm going to go with the Clippers. Um, mm-hmm. They started off the year one and four. They haven't lost since. Um, if the season were to end today, Paul George would be an all-NBA first teamer. He is one yeah. of the best basketball players in the world right now. Um, it's just so funny because, you know, in his first year in L.A., he really did regress. And it's hard when you go from being that guy to having to take a backseat to Kawhi. Like, mm-hmm. it, you just really don't know when to pick your spots. Um, but this year, you know, they gave him full reigns till Kawhi returns from injury. And I think he's top three in scoring. You know, he's, he's first in steals or second yeah. in steals behind Caruso. Like, he's just been awesome. Reggie Jackson's doing his thing. They're well coached. They're deep. Nick Batum is great, right? He's mm-hmm. really had a Fantastic, resurgence. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was funny because last year uh, when he chose the Clippers over the Nets, I was, like, heartbroken about it because he's another 3 and D guy that we could really use. And he, yeah. he like, discovered a three-point shot, which I never would have expected. He's just doing his thing, and they mesh well. They got Ibaka playing in the G League right now. Um, he's yeah. coming back from injury soon. and. Yeah, no, they just – they're always around. So, kudos to them. They're going to continue to get better. But those are my two, two surprise teams in the West. I'm completely with you on the Clippers. I had them too. The Warriors are like – right, like, yes, we knew they were going to be good, but we didn't know they were going to be this good. It's definitely a big, huge surprise. Um, I, I think the East, you hit, that, you hit that right with the teams also. I have a couple of players to add to the list while we're at it. Uh, yeah. Surprise player number one for me is Ja. I, mean, I know Ja's good. I, I have, oh, everyone's a fan of Ja. I did not think he would be anywhere close to what he's, he, he would finish with like probably at least one MVP vote. If, if the season ended today, he's averaging 27, like seven and five or 27, seven and six after last year being under 20, he's drastically improved his three point shot, which has allowed him to have more space because people have to guard him out further. And he's so much faster than them. And so crafty that it gives him more space when he gets inside, which is really where he lives. And he gets the, and he rakes up the assist totals now too. Um, but he has been on, he's been incredible. He's had some great performances uh, and he's been shooting the ball really well. So I, I like to see that from him. Yeah, no, I, 
I look, I'll hold myself accountable for this one. I remember preseason, you and I told each other, we think De'Aaron is better than Ja. We did. Look right. At us. And look at us. And okay. I'll take I'll take full responsibility for it. Like Ja Ja's become an average to above average three point shooter. And like you just said, yeah. a guy that, that is that explosive, if he's able to stretch the floor like that, you got to overplay, like he's gonna blow by you. He is one of the best basketball players in the world this year. Like he is a top five MVP candidate for sure. So yeah, I agree. Like a- haven't and the Grizzlies are such a like they're such a young team that like you're like ah you know they'll be good eventually or maybe they won't they're six and five now which doesn't seem great but they've won good games they've been competing against really good teams and they like they look like an actual team that could easily slip into the playoff um into the sorry the play the play in tourney in the for the playoffs uh in the west so but another couple of players I have uh it's kind of I guess a surprising more disappointing we can kind of transition into it. we might as well right yeah, uh, it's definitely more disappointing, but it's also surprising. JB and Tatum, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, like we know that their play styles don't really complement each other super well, but it kind of works for the most part the last couple of years. And I don't, I feel like there's, they come to like a standstill almost. They come to like a break point almost. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're struggling, especially late in games. They don't really know what to do. They have no structure. Like you, 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 you saw Marcus Smart, you know, after a mm-hmm. loss a week or so ago, and he was saying how team's game plan against those two and they still continue to like abuse the offense and just shoot at will like they need yeah. to learn how to give up the ball but then again coming from Marcus Smart is literally shooting like 37 percent this year like he's got to go man he, he's not that good he really isn't and um, he doesn't compliment them well but I agree it's it's kind of odd to be honest with you I'm not really right. sure what's going on over there right like two of probably the best pure scorers in the league like two top 10 to 15 scorers uh, and we're talking about them struggling playing together when we really have before. Like, I think last year they kind of got a pass um, and they've, because of those that pass they've gotten, they've come to a point where they keep doing the same thing. And like last year, what were they? A seven seed, right? Or something like that. Give or take in yeah. the playoffs. Um, I believe they were a seven. Yeah. All right. And they should have been better than that. And they weren't really held accountable for it. They had, I think I know the teams didn't have injuries and stuff like that. Um, but this year, it, they're supposed to be pushing for a top four or five seed and they're not even close to it. They're not going to be close to it. So. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, another just disappointing player I had uh, was Michael Porter jr. I hope he heals up. I know he's been, he had an injury back injury and then the missed wide open layup apparently, but that was uh, brutal. That was, that was pretty bad, but that's like, that sums up what has happened for him so far. I think he's averaging under, under 15 points a game. He was at under a little under 20 at like 19 a game last year. And everyone's like, man, most improved, most improved. But we talked about this on the last episode that he won't win most improved because he's going to have to score 26 a game. And he's done the exact opposite. And he just hasn't looked good when he's on the, on the, on the court. He's not shooting very well either. So, yeah, um, he just he's definitely regressed. And with this injury, you know, you don't really know what to expect going forward. It only opens up more opportunity for Jokic to potentially win MVP again. But that's that's a valid, it's a valid point. They're staying afloat. I think they're three or four over right now. And Will yep. Barnes played really well as of late. Yeah. Um, your guy Bones Highland. He's played some good minutes. And Bones is nice. Yeah. Mike Malone is one of, if not the best coach in the NBA. So they'll continue yep. to do what they need to. Yeah. And when they get Jamal back, it'll be even different. Um, but for MPJ's sake, like when you're such a one-dimensional player, because he is, he truly is a one-dimensional player. Um, yeah. But he's he's talented at it. I don't want to say very good at it because he's not playing very well. Um, yeah. But when you don't, when, when things aren't going well and what you do best, then for a guy like him, then he's in trouble. So 200 million, 200 million. Yeah. He 200 million just because Trey and others got that same contract. He, I don't, I think before injury, Michael Poor was averaging like under 
11 a game, which is pretty pitiful. Yeah. If he's one dimensional, like he needs to score and he's not even doing that. And yeah. it's just like his defensive awareness, man. Like, I don't know if it's just a lack of effort or sometimes he just doesn't know what's going on. He just, he looks like a deer in the headlights out there. Like, I don't really understand it. I don't know. Yeah. He's got to figure it out because the talent is through the roof. Yeah, exactly. Um, I have a disappointing team that I would like to be able to take the reins on. I know it's probably on your list too. I'd like to do it myself. That's okay. By all means, man, you the, do it. The, the Atlanta Hawks are four and eight uh, as of, as of right now recording this. Uh, and that's not okay. Like we've played the jazz twice in the last three games. We lost to the nets. We were at that game. That was a good time, but I'm we glad were at you got to game. watch that live. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Uh, <laughs> so the jazz twice, the nets, the Suns in a close one where I swear the you're wearing a Suns jersey, aren't you? I can tell. Yeah, D book. Be yeah, legendary. Uh, well, the refs, the refs were brutal in that game. They were awful, but whatever. Lost to the Suns, another good team. We played really good teams. Like I can't be super mad at the last few losses we've had, but it doesn't matter because you're four and eight. And if you're a team that wants to be anywhere close to the conference finals again, you got it. You can't lose four games in a row against anyone. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Um they're, I think we're bottom five in defensive rating right now. Clint Capella That's has shocking. been awful. Clint Capella has been terrible, especially finishing around the rim on offense. Um, Collins has actually looked decent for the most part. Trey is starting to find his way again. He's, I'm not really worried about him. Herder started off very bad. Like overall, the team is just down. And whether it's a short, last year, I think we started off 14 and 20. So I'm not super worried, but it's not good to see after how we ended last season. So. Now, let me ask you something. I know after a loss a week or so ago, Trey mentioned something about, oh, like, we kind of oh, wish this is the playoffs. Like, you know, I'm not sure if it was paraphrased. Like, do you know the direct quote? Like, what did he mean by that when he came out and said that? So the way he said it was – there's two ways to take it. One is, like it, – it, it's not. I don't think it's easy just to pick pick one and be like, that's how, definitely how he said it because it was kind of weird. Gray um, area. It's, yeah. I, it's either, like, he's like, oh, like, I don't care, like, whatever, like, fuck this. this is, I don't, it's just not the playoffs yet which I it definitely not the way I'm taking it. I am confident it's not that, or it's like, I just want everyone to get excited and like just the energy to build up a lot more. And it's, it's very hard to do that outside of the playoffs. I think that's what he was trying to say, but he shouldn't have said exactly that he should have just been like, yeah, we need to bring that playoff energy, which we're not right now. Instead of saying, I wish it was the playoffs. That's what I think that's what he was getting at. Um, I don't love to see him say that, but he, I, he means he's a very, very positive mindset guy. I know that. Um, so I'm not worried about what he said, but people, I know people are. So, yeah, it, it's just being like, you know, a Nets fan, obviously I don't root for the Hawks directly, but like you can tell like yeah. Trey's typically that upbeat type of guy. And, you know, he's young, he's going to go through growing pain, sort of being the leader because they are a young team that really is sort of growing together. And, yeah. you know, you don't want to hear that from your team's best player, especially when you say that to the media, cause it's like, okay, like, well, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I get it, right? Like, oftentimes yeah. the NBA regular season doesn't mean as much, but you're four and eight. Like, you got to start winning games. So, yeah, it, it kind of is what it is. Um, any, anyone else you got on the disappointing list you want to bring up? Yeah, just sort of going over to the West. Um, I know you're a huge fan of this team, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, they're three and seven. And again, <laughs> the talent is there. And, you know, on the last episode, I talked about how I just don't see them putting it together. Um, for a handful of reasons and they were three and one but they've lost six in a row to date right and cat in an interview he looked pretty fed up already we're 10 games into the year and he says yeah i know how losing streaks can go in minnesota six losses can can turn into 15 or 20 i mean what is that supposed to mean right like 
you're supposed to be the team's best player. They're supposed to look up to you. Like you should be focusing on turning this around and not just looking at what, what's ahead. Um, yeah. That's not and no good. matter, no matter if he wants to get traded or will be traded or not, it, do, it does not matter. It does not mean you just like give up after 10 games. Like I, I'm so with you on that. We're like, it's kind of, it's ridiculous. And he's not been really bad or really good, but Anthony Edwards has taken over as like the best player on the team this season so far. He scored like 26 a game. Like he's their go-to guy. Cat um, does a lot maybe a little more all around than Anthony, but Ant-Man has been doing everything for them. He has been their best guy so far. And like, that's not bad for Cat necessarily, but it's not good with what, how he said, how he's framing this with the losses. So. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Ann Edwards has become like such a likable guy. You know, you, you've been on him for a while and he just wants a win. Like he just wants to get better. So when you're like franchises, quote unquote, like best player says that sort of thing, like, how do you think he views it? And not for nothing, you know, him and D'Angelo Russell are best friends. Like, you were dying for him to come to Minnesota, and all of a sudden you're going to lose interest after, like, a year and, like, a yeah. week. Like, that's not good. So, yeah. the, you know, the talent's there. Um, it's so the painful West to is watch. always tough. It is painful. Because, like, like you it said, they're, they're good. They Look at look at them on paper. D'Lo, Anthony Edwards, Cat. they should be putting up minimum 70 points a game between the three of them, give or take, maybe a little more. And the, I don't know what D'Lo's averaging, but there's no way they're at – there's no way they're near 70. So, I'm like – it. Or 75, 80, whatever it is. Like they should be running, they should be running the score up on teams, whether they have defensive problems or not, and they should be able to win games purely on offense. And they can't. They just can't. Yeah, when you have three scores at like multiple levels, you know, the talent, I just I don't know what it is. They they gotta figure it out. It's just frustrating because they uh, their loss against Memphis, they were up, I think, 13 with like four and a half minutes left. And right. when you have three guys that could put it in the hole like that, like down the stretch, like you should be able to close out games. It was just and even with that with that buzzer beater, and I was like, Oh, they're definitely gonna win the game now. The yeah. cat half court buzzer beater, and they still yeah. lost. So I was like, Oh Off my the god. Glass. Yeah, they rushed the court like they won the NBA championship <laughs> when he hit that shot and they proceeded to lose. I was like, Come on, that, that just goes to show, but I don't know. They they've been disappointing for sure. Yeah, maybe they could turn around, but I would I would lean no. Um, another player I wanted to add, I didn't mention before, is don't want to get too caught up on rookies not playing well early um, because, like, I thought they have long careers. Like, Anthony Edwards was terrible shooting the ball, like 30 35% at the start of his rookie season. But Jalen Suggs, not Jalen Green. Jalen Green's been disappointing, but Jalen Suggs been even more disappointing. And that's my guy, and that's your guy. I know that. That man is shooting 30% from the field, maybe 31%. That is awful. I When I watch them play, I'm like, he's he's so good. He's very, very good. You see the potential. He Like, when he runs an offense well, he runs it really well. He's averaging just as many turnovers as assists, which is a problem for me. Uh, he just can't shoot the ball well. It, he's, it almost seems like someone mentioned Alfred Payton in his rookie year. Well, I'm like, wow. Like I, at first, I was like, no way. But then I'm like, wow, that actually kind of makes sense, like a little bit. Um, and I'm scared. But I know Jalen Suggs is so good, and I know it's really early. But it's just this is not good to see, not good at all. It's not. And outside of him being, you know, an above-average on-ball defender, he hasn't really provided much else. Like his efficiency is so low. And on the flip side, me and you were not high on Franz, Franz Wagner, Wagner at so all. Good. And he's actually been the better rookie. Like what we expected out of Suggs, Wagner's yeah. providing. And he's been so he, good. Yeah, me being a Tar Heel fan, Cole Anthony's been awesome too. I think he's oh. averaging twenty a game this year. He's a prolific scorer. Um, the Magic are Jake, like, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. No, it's good. No, the Magic are. I don't want to say competitive. They're fun to watch. That's teams, all I was gonna say. They are. Mo Bamba's having a good year. He's finally yeah. healthy. He's averaging yeah. like he's shooting 12 and ten, shooting fifty six percent. He's shooting threes. Yeah, you know, 
they got Terrence Ross. Yeah, Terrence like, Ross will be around forever. <laughs> yeah, he and he's like a he's been a solid scorer, like fifteen plus scorer for like eight years. I feel like. Yeah. Um, but they're just a team that like I would I am more than happy turning on TV and seeing them play like the Pacers or the Hawks or Nets, whatever. Like I'm like, great, I'll watch the Magic. Um, because like they have young guys to watch. Franz has been good. I was not big on Franz at all. Um, he had six steals against the Nets. He's averaging like two a game, thirteen and four and four. Um, he's been good. He's been doing everything he needs to to succeed in the league for a long time. I never said he wasn't going to be good. I just said he's never going to be great. I always said he's going to be like a Nick Batum type guy who does a lot for you, but nothing like absolutely exceptional. So, yeah, and you know, certain players. Uh, I thought like one of his stature, like where you get drafted sort of like determines your success out of the gate. And I just thought him going to Orlando, like just so crowded there with all the guards that they have, like they don't even have Fultz back yet. And they threw him over 50 million. Like what's going to happen to subs when Fultz comes back? Because clearly Cole Anthony needs to start. He's their best player right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, They got Isaac coming back. So it's just so crowded over there with a bunch of like young guys. I don't really know how they're going to mesh, but we got to see. All right, so so here's the magic could potentially like they're not going to because they're not gonna they're not gonna win enough games to it'll be like a next year thing. If Cole Anthony is sustainable like long term, he's actually really good. They might come to a point where like, if Isaac comes back and is playing well, if Fultz comes back and looks decent enough, where they can package picks and a Fultz or a Suggs to go actually get someone to play next to Cole Anthony and Franz to offer like three and D and like they could actually be a decent team like push for a playoff run at some point in the next two years, which is pretty weird to think about. Yeah. Cause you have teams like Indiana who I know you love. They're so also another disappointing man. <laughs> five and eight, like <laughs> Duarte has been their only bright spot. Brogdon's doing Brogdon. I think he's already yeah, he's 23, good, yeah. seven and seven, but they just don't, they, they don't have it. I don't know. You have miles Turner wrestling Rudy Gobert. Like what's going on over there. Did you see that last night? Yeah. I, I don't know. Like what it was so strange. Cause so I, I understand what they both wanted to like let each other know that like, no, I'm not, you can't do that. I'm not letting you do that. But they were like, we're not going to like do anything crazy bad. They were just like grabbing each other. I'm like someone hit someone. Dude. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it literally looked like two guys that have never been in a fight before. <laughs> it was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, we did a lot of the rookies. Let's, let's keep going to the rookies. So rookie ladder, you want to do your rookie ladder and then mine, or do you want to go back and forth? Like one, two, three, four, five to see if we, like, we'll do one. Let's do that. Let's start at like five. Is that cool? And then we'll go down yeah. five, five, four, four, three, three. Okay. Who is your fifth? Actually, you want to do any honorable mention first before we do that? Yeah. Go ahead. Sounds good. Uh, quick honorable mention. So it's crazy because he was my rookie of the year pick, Jalen Green. He's right on the outside of the top five, averaging 13, three, and three. Very like volatile as a scorer so far this year. Like the other night against, you know, Cade and the Pistons, he's put up like 25 on eight of 20, like he was prolific. He, he had, a, he missed a few shots down the stretch, but he looked like Jalen green out there. Um, and then there's other nights where he'll shoot two of 14, barely playing any defense, like not really providing value on either end of the floor. Um, so his consistency has to get better. And that also comes along with Kevin Porter jr. Playing better too, because he's been very disappointing this year. Um, so I think, He'll continue to move up the ladder as the year goes, but right now I got to leave him outside the top five. Yeah, there's no way he goes down to me, because um, like the rookie of the year, this is our rookie ladder, not what we who we think is going to win rookie of the year, but like rookie of the year voting, a guy like him has a great story to get votes no matter what because he scored. If any, no rookies have scored thirty in a game except for him, I think I'm pretty sure still, and he's done it I think twice. So people, teams and GMs and executives look at that and be like, ah, he's he's rookie of the year, he's, which is bullshit, but. 
Um, that's how that's how that will get framed at the end of the season for him winning or being close to winning or something like that. But I'm with you. I have him on the outside. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, whoever's listening, they just have to understand that the rookie ladder, this isn't like outlook for future success. This is just simply for winning the award this out, year. Outlook, 11 12 games game outlook. outlook. Right now, so yeah. it's a small sample size, but this is just based off of what we've seen so far, not yeah. what we and expect. And we'll keep updating it throughout the season when we do these. Like, we'll yeah, get exactly. into it. But all right, who's your five? Fifth best rookie so far? Five, I'm going to go Josh Giddy, um, averaging roughly 10, 10, 6, and 6. Yeah. Um, him and Scotty Barnes are probably the two best passers in the class. Um, Giddy has such great vision. Uh, he's still a porous defender, um, yeah. but he's put together some really good performances this year. And I think he's averaging, like I said, around six assists. He yeah. has to get his turnovers down a little bit. I think he's averaging roughly like four a game, but he's shown some really good bright spots. He brings a lot of size. Him and SGA are actually playing off of each other really well. SGA is a bucket. He he's is so, so good. good. I cannot believe that they play so well together because they're big – they're both big guards, ball-dominant guards, playmakers, and the fact that they have both of them on the floor and they play so well with each other, it blows my mind. They're not winning a lot of games. They beat the Lakers twice. That's about it. Um, but Which they, is like, hysterical. I, that's a whole other like, story in its own. Um, yeah. But they like they look good. Get, I also have Giddy at five, for the record. I want to I add that. Um, he's done a lot. The turnovers, like, like I said, he can turn the ball over four times a game as a rookie in his first ten games because that's going to happen. And if he's going to get six assists while doing so, then so be it. Um, so I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I think he's done well defensively, like you said, not great, but again, <laughs> we knew that we knew that about Josh Kitty. So who's your four? Four. I got friends Wagner. Um, he's averaging similar numbers to Jalen green, like 13, three and three, but he's been much more efficient, better defensively, very versatile over the last week or so he struggled. Uh, I think he averaged like eight points a game on like 35% shooting in his last four or five games. So there's definitely been a drop off, but uh, he's been rock solid and he's exceeded expectations. And like you said, that magic team is honestly fun to watch. Like, you know, I watched the Nets blow them out by 30 or so the other <laughs> night, but it was just cool to see like guys like Mo Bamba making leaps and just yeah. sort of like getting a perspective on Suggs and Wagner and seeing Cole Anthony, like the talents there. And I think Wagner's going to be an asset to any team for a long time. And like you said, his ceiling is an all-star, but it's like that Nick Batum, like serviceable, like three and right. D type. Um, that will be around for at least a decade in the NBA. So yeah, yeah. he's my four. And we talked, we talked about Franz a bunch before too. And I, I don't like him, whatever. He went to Michigan. That's why I'm as a Maryland fan, like watching him beat us. I, that's, that's kind of, I'm still going to, he's, he's my four. He's also my four. Um, defensively. Did, you read, did you read my, did you read my list or something? Did you get your, no, 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 no. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't read it. I didn't read it. I didn't read it. Um, you can check my last TikTok post yesterday. I, I swear it's okay. Um, but Franz, he's, he has looked good defensively. Like you said, that's a huge key. He is up to the challenge, whatever they played the nets. He was on KD a bunch. I, there's obviously a, no one really, a lot of people probably didn't watch the entire game. Um, but he did lock up KD in that one play and like took his cookies and like took it to the house, um, which is good to see. Like, no, but how many players in the league are going to do that at all? I know. I Not just many. I get distracted when Durant shoots eleven of twelve up for the night and has that was ridiculous. It was so ninety two getting right? locked up. I get thrown off. You know what I'm saying? You turn the ball over to Franz. That's the that should be on the stat line too. Turn the ball <laughs> over to Franz Wagner. Yeah, um, while Mo but, Wagner watched from the bench. Yeah, Mo did throw a big dunk down too. I did see that, but yeah, yeah Franz is better than I, Mo. I, yeah, he, yeah, no doubt. Hundred percent. Um, younger. We should we should get into that next time. Younger brother, older brother. Who, who's better? Um, but all right, who got a three? Three, I got Chris Duarte. 
Yeah, uh, we have to we have to have Ribery. Yeah, he's like that consensus three. Um, you know, to start the year, he was blazing hot, shooting really well from three. I knew once Karis LeVert came back, they're kind of similar type of roles on the team. Like, there's going to be regression no matter what, right? Because yeah. LeVert's really good, too. And uh, he's fell off a little bit over the course of the last week or two. I think he's only been averaging, like, 11 a game since LeVert came back. Still but he's good. explosive, like, plays like a veteran. I mean, considering he's 24, you kind of knew he would be, like, seasoned out of the gate. Um, you also, see what he don't said for- to the media? No, I didn't he's, see what he said. Duarte said he was asking about, like, draft pick – and he said, um, yeah, like, you know, if teams want to win in four years, then you can take all the kids that got drafted before me. But if you want to win now, you take me. And, like, he is proving that. And, like, well, I, you know, I'm a big advocate for the experienced college guys, especially, like, late lottery into mid to late first round. Uh, and he's obviously jumped off hot to the start. But he's, he's been good. But what are you going to say to him? Yeah, no, I mean, it's just one of those things. Like, Duarte is just – he just epitomizes, like, a Pacers pick. Like, we talk about <laughs> all the time. Like, the Pacers, when healthy, had the talent to be a playoff team, clearly. You want to go so through you, again? Go through the roster. Brogdon. LaVert. LaVert TJ Warren. Sabonis Turner. Chris Duarte. Um, Jeremy Lamb. And then I guess that's really it, right? But still, yeah, TJ McConnell, the steel machine. That, that yeah. eight right there is good. Yeah, you have yeah, you have probably three to four of those guys on the list are like top sixty players in the NBA. Lavert, yeah, Turner, Sabonis, and Bro- I'd say, yeah. Three of them are consensus top fifty. Like Miles 100%. Turner's unbelievable. Like He's so, so that's a, that that should be a playoff team. Like should be. They are better on paper than Memphis. And Memphis, like, what is it? Is yeah. like I don't know. Well coached, yeah. Josh just I don't know. But it it's just a mystery to me. I don't get it. And Another thing with Duarte, I read something, I think in his first eight games, he took 125 shots, but in his last three or four, he's taking like no more than like 40 total, like more than 30 or 35 total. Like the usage is going to be down. And when TJ Warren comes back, like, you know, his role, he's a plug in scorer. So there's going to continue to be regression there statistically. But what I'm looking for is, okay, Duarte, find your spots shoot well yeah. from the three and just stay efficient. You just got to be right. efficient. All that matters, right. So. It, if his volume goes down, his efficiency should go up because he won't be shooting. He, as long as he's not forcing his shots, which a, an experienced guy like him won't, like that's why they took him. Um, yeah. Warren, who knows when he's come back and Karras is, came back and he's still in and out of playing and not playing and he's get limited minutes when he does. So having Duarte for the Pacers, like they lost a couple games in overtime by one possession early in the, right in the first few games without Levert. And Duarte was half the reason they were in those games. He was scoring 20 to 25 and half of them. Um, but it's good to have another score like that when everyone else on the wing is hurt for them all the time and now of playing. So it, it makes sense. But he, uh, yeah. Um, but all right, top two. This is, we know who they are. They're Evan Moby and Scotty Barnes in whatever order. So I'll, I'll just fire away. Who's your number one? Let's go with number one. So I'm number not, one. Yeah. <laughs> let me, let me, uh, yeah. So Evan, no, just, just one. Evan Mobley is one. Okay. Right. Interesting. And I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. There's one reason why, and that's because Scotty Barnes, similar to Duarte, he's adjusting to personnel. Right? I knew we were gonna Pas- say, yeah. Pascal Siakam returns from injury. They're both versatile forwards that can play multiple positions. Mm-hmm. Scotty Barnes, since Pascal Siakam has returned, his numbers went from like 16, 8, and 3. I think he's averaging like 11, 8, and 3 now. Right. Yeah. The scoring is down simply because Siakam is supposed to be their best player. The ball is evidently going to be in his head. So that takes away shots from Scotty Barnes. Right. 
Scotty Barnes is my most impressive rookie so far. Yep. But in terms of statistically and just team success, Who's Evan Mobley's yeah. turned up as of late. Love is gone now, so that extra 18 to 20 <laughs> minutes per game has opened up where Mobley can play with the second unit at the five. They're going to be playing him a lot. Um, since Mobley the last, like, go ahead, yeah. go ahead. No, I, was, I think oh, I think over Mobley's last four or five games, he's averaging like twenty and eight. No, not yeah, 20, he's, he's been no, he's 18, close to it. It's very close to it. He's been fantastic, and I, a really good point about what you said about Barnes, like Siakam, and what Mobley is doing is with a full Cavs capacity. Well, all they're going to see all season, and we talked about this. Him and Jared Allen play well together. Him, him of being able to get eight, eight or nine boards a game, whatever it is, with like I think it's one or two blocks a game, and be so good defensively and have such a good impact on the boards and defensively, that is so impressive being next to Jared Allen. Like so, Scotty Barnes on paper, you look at the stats like without knowing, without seeing a flow or like up and down, just seeing overall season stats, that probably is a little more impressive. But what Mobley has done next to Jared Allen and for the Cavs impresses me more. So that's why I have him at one. Also, we have the same list. What the hell? Yeah, exactly. Great minds, great minds think alike. Um, and an, another stat that stuck out to me with Mobley, he leads the NBA in. Con- oh, I lost it for a second. I think he it's leads. I, th- I, I think it's you, we lost it for a second, but I think it's contested shots, right? Yeah, sorry about that. Um, he, yeah, he leads the league in contested shots per game at like fifteen or sixteen. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. He is. He's really so. He's a freak. He's a unicorn. He's the unicorn of the draft. There's always one every year. Next year it'll be Chet Holmgren. Like there's always someone like that. And then this year it's Mobley. He's ridiculous. He's unbelievable. Yeah. It's so it's so hard to evaluate big men in college, right? Like me being a guard, like my entire <laughs> playing career, like I always look at the flashy guards and like swing men. And I never really watched much of him at USC. So until I got to the NCAA tournament, like you know, I, I didn't know too much about him, but he did show up in the tournament and he's killing it so far. Yeah, they, him and his brother, Isaiah, was even better in the tournament last year, but that's as it is. Um, yeah, all right, exactly. let's do – we can do college. Let's do most improved. Let's do a top three. You want to do a top three, I will mention, for most improved? That sounds good. You want to go all first right. or may? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I want to give honorable mention to a couple guys. Is that all right? Yeah, do you got to do, man. I want to give honorable mention to Anthony Edwards, who has – gone absolutely crazy i think he's averaging like 26 a game right now or something like that he had a 48 point game his career high the other day and the biggest thing for him is he's still not super efficient but every single efficiency stat and shooting split has gone up has improved and that is like it's baby steps it's over time that's how it is um he's shooting a lot up per game i will say he's shooting a ton of shots but he's been the best scorer for the t-bolt so i want to give shots to him um and then there's a lot of guys i want to shout out to like i want to give Full credit to DeJounte Murray and Tyler Hero for being on this list. Uh, Cole Anthony's on my honorable mention also. He went from, I think, averaging 12 to 19. Another guy who's improved his three-point shot more than anything else, which is very, very good for a guy, for him. Um, he wasn't really efficient in college either because UNC wasn't good when he was there, so he was taking every shot. Uh, and similar last year with the Magic, but it's good to see his efficiency go up, and you can see how it affects his full game and the full Magic team uh, when they play. So I'll give honorable mention to those guys. Who do you got at that? Yeah, so my honorable mentions, Cole Anthony. He's averaging like 20 points, seven boards, five. He's averaging seven boards a game, which is insane for a guard of his size. Yeah, he's um, He's been awesome this year. He's taken a huge leap. He's definitely definitely my honorable mention. Um, you know, yeah, I was going to say OG Ananobi, too, is another honorable mention. He's been awesome. Mm. Yeah, he, um, he has been but, really good. But yeah, at three for most improves, I'm going to go Tyler Hero. Mm. 
um, leading the league in bench points this year, averaging like 20 a game. And Jimmy, Jimmy, I think hurt his ankle the other night and just watching him like step up in LA against the Lakers. Like he was the guy Um, and he's starting to look like bubble hero again. His efficiency splits have been like through the roof. Um, He's definitely impressing. And, you know, I'm sticking with my six man of the year pick from the last episode. I think hero is going to win six man of the year. So fair. Um, I will say that one thing about Tyler Hero is everyone who we're going to talk about here, you're going to see a lot of their good, their stats, production stats, rebound assists, deep defensive stats, uh, efficiency go up. The only thing with Tyler Hero is it's only his scoring that's improved. It's been great. It's been great. He's a good complimentary scorer to have like a good four or five rotation team, but that's his peak. And like, that's how he is. And him not improving elsewhere is the only reason why I left him off my list. I will say that now. Um, my three is Tyrese Maxey. He has gone from playing 15 to 35 minutes a game. So naturally the stats are going to go up, but he went from averaging eight to 17 points a game. He's improved his three from 30 to 38%. And he is the reason reason that the the Sixers don't need to trade Ben Simmons today or tomorrow. They can do it next week or or within the next month. He's the only reason that they like him playing so well. That's it. Um, I think he's been playmaking better than I ever thought he could when he came out of college uh, I just like to see it because he's a super likable guy too. I don't like the Sixers, but I love him and he's been awesome. Yeah, that completely slipped my mind, even though in the last episode I talked about how he's my sleeper pick. So thank <laughs> you for picking me up on that. Um, in his last three games, he's averaging like 27 and six, which is off the charts. Yeah. He's explosive. He's a playmaker. Like you said, he's been much more efficient. Uh, he's definitely right there. He might be honestly three on my list instead of hero. So way to call me out on that one. But uh, it's, yeah, no, I agree well, with it's, you. It's relative. Like it's because like, even if someone has better stats, it's about it's about their improvement and stuff. So it's pretty opinionated and relevant this award. Um, but uh, I think so. We did those. I don't mention in three. My number two is Miles Bridges. Um, what's his name? Is it Eric Collins, right? The Hornets announcer. Is that his yeah, name? Guy really sounds like he's having a heart. He sounds like he's having a heart attack every time he dunks the ball. Like he's going into cardiac arrest. Wait, he's always done it. But the one the other night, it was like two nights ago. He yeah, was like he Rose saw it. Yeah, he saw it before it happened. It, when Terry had the ball. He was like, he's got miles. And then he like screeched. <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah, because especially the way Rozier threw the lob too. Like it was an awful lob. Like it was behind, <laughs> behind him, him. But you knew anything for Bridges is like reachable. So he looks like a it tight almost end. like he, he set him up. Tight end. Yeah. yeah. Right. Just like put it back there so he can look good. Um, but he's been, but for real, outside of the dunking, I think he's really expanded his versatility very, very well. Like he's been able to shoot the ball pretty well and stretch the floor for them. His efficiency stats, I know, don't look great, but he's gone from, like, 12 to averaging, like, over 20 a game and eight boards. Like, he's been very, very good. And for a team like the Hornets that really, really needs their young guys to step up outside of LaMelo to take the next step to get into the playoffs, Bridges is this step for Bridges is what it's going to happen. That's how it's going to happen for the, for the Hornets. So this is huge for them. Yeah, exactly. Um, real quick, before I make say my number two, um, even though it is Bridges, I'll elaborate on what you had to say, but – who would you take in a best of seven, Memphis or Charlotte? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I'm just doing the matchups in my head. I, I, I'd i go Charlotte. I think I lean Charlotte. I think they have better guys outside of there. Like, Jaws better than LaMelo for now, but I they have better guys outside with Terry and Bridges, et cetera. So like, Jaron Jackson hasn't been great, and Brandon Clark has never been great. You know what I mean? Like, stuff like that. So, Yeah, and that's my thing, though, right? Like, I don't want to compare Memphis to like the Spurs, but even though, you know, their coaching hierarchy does come from Popovich, like the Grizzlies compete and they do so well, they don't have the big name guys like these other teams. Yeah. 
Like the Grizzlies are technically better than the Trailblazers right now. But if and you def- looked at their, I would take them in a series. Yeah, if you looked at both of their rosters, I mean, the naked eye would think that the Blazers are much right. better. Right. So that's why I make that argument because you don't really know. And also, Ja is probably the best player between the two teams. Who would you take? What's your answer? Uh, it. I mean, it goes seven. We have to agree. It yeah, goes seven. If, it, if it's if it's at a neutral site, a neutral site. Fine. Um, sure. Neutral. Or how about this? They each get three in the last game is neutral. If that happens, like, whatever. Yeah, I would probably take Charlotte in seven. It's tough because, like, yeah, that's tough. I think, I think I would, yeah, I would do the same thing. I think Lamelo hasn't had a huge jump because he's not, it's not being forced. I'm not saying Jaws being forced, but he has to take on everything. Where Lamelo doesn't have to. Terry's very good. They have Bridges and guys that are stepping up. Where John needs to, no matter what, whether his yep. numbers are going to look good or bad, percentages, whatever. Um, so I think because Lamelo doesn't have to take a huge step, that's why I would take the Hornets also. So the one. Yeah. And uh, just to bounce off of that, my number two was Bridges as well. Um, if we had this conversation a week ago, Bridges would be my one. Fair. But there's sort of like a recurring theme with these young guys, right? Like Duarte, Scotty Barnes, now Bridges. Like they have to adjust to returning personnel. Yeah. Gordon Hayward's returning to his old self. Terry Rozier, he's returning to his old self. Like last year, Rozier and Hayward, they were like the two prolific scorers on the team, like mm-hmm. best players. But now you're starting to see that transition to the next gen where you have LaMelo and Bridges, right? And like mm-hmm. early in the season, LaMelo and Bridges, they were filling up the stat sheet because Rozier was out. Hayward was hurt playing limited minutes. Like now that these two are coming back, like you're going to see regression statistically. And mm-hmm. like you just mentioned, like LaMelo on paper, He's not going to have to average 23, like eight exactly. and seven every night because you have so many other guys on this team. You also have James Boonight, who doesn't even touch the court. And we know how talented he is. Like, Waiting he for was, that. Waiting yeah, you <laughs> almost wish he was like somewhere else because he would explode. Yes. He, his skill set's crazy. It is what it is. Uh, like, someone's going to be in this role. Someone had to be there. Yeah, so. exactly. So, that, that's the problem with these middle market teams that are just in basketball purgatory. They just stack up on these first rounders every year. The room gets yeah. crowded when you have so much young talent. So that's why nice. you're not going to see the yeah. statistical leap that we want. It's just honestly, it's, it's the Hawks have done a got not lucky. They chose the right players. They developed around them. But it's so, it's the same thing with them. The Pacers, like they're just a step ahead of everybody. There's the, of the other mid market teams. Like the Pacers are in that mix. Like we were talking to them before. It just kind of is what it is. Um, all right, our number one for most improved right now. Let's just say it on the count of three at the same time. All right, yep. full name. Ready. One, yeah. two, three. John ja Morant. Okay, making sure we're we're good. There's not we already talked about him. We a raved about him for how long? I think I think like, we covered that. I have it up here. He's gone from averaging 19, seven and four to averaging 27, seven and six, and he's doubled his steals per game. He's only playing two minutes more a game. He's shooting four percent better from three, four percent better from the field. Like he's just been great. He's just been unbelievable, and he has to. He's gonna win this award. I'm almost convinced he's gonna win because. The NBA, if you go from averaging like 19 to 27, like that will win, what is that, eight points? Eight points? That will win more than like a Tyrese Maxey averaging 10 or 12 more points, right, on the season because yeah. he's averaging 27 and he's an all-star and they, they want him to win the award 100%. So. And, yeah, let's draw a parallel, right? Like Julius Randle made his first all-star game last year, finished yep. on the NBA second team, and led his team to the playoffs. Like Jaws on that path. The exact path. Same exact thing. Yeah. God would be an NBA all second teamer if the season ended today. Yeah. No doubt. I also wow. I want to bring up these stats too. Um, what is he averaging? 27, 7, and 6. 
This is going to be good. You're going to be, uh, you might be a little surprised this one. Let me just pull it up here. I want you to guess who you think it is. A player in history in the last like 15 years, give or take 10 to 15 years. Who do you, one season, who do you think I'm going to compare Josh season to right now this season? Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose MVP season. He averaged yeah. 25, eight and four. The only difference was his team won 60 games. So that's, and they went to the conference finals, but yeah. same, similar stat line. It's a statistical award. As long as your team is good enough, you can win the award. And I'm going to be, this seems like kind of a hot take. John Moran is on the Derrick Rose trajectory, except he shoots the ball better than Rose. Right. Like Unless he, the injuries he out could, of it without the injuries. Yeah, he could have, yeah, yeah exactly. But you know, Jaws on that path and he, he could win an MVP someday for sure. He's he's the, is, is he the bet? <laughs> would he be the number one pick if you did a redraft? Over Zion? Over Zion? Boy? Yeah. Um, I guess like you have to be right now. He had no choice. Yeah. The Pelicans, I, Zion's gone, but he's going to leave. And man, I don't know what's happening. With, I yeah, I didn't even list Zion guy. I didn't list them as a disappointment because Zion hasn't played Ingram. Hasn't got played, yeah. They're one and eleven. Like they, they're relevant. They're, they're awful. They're so yeah. bad. The Nets play them tonight, so if they lose, you won't hear from me for a few. Whatever weeks, the spread but, is, I'm going to go smash the Nets. Uh, yeah. Um, so. All right, we got a couple more things to get into real fast. Let's do MVP. Just who's your MVP and who's your runner-up? I think there's only three guys that there's four guys right now. I think that could win it that are in the race right now. Is that fair? Yeah. Who are they? Who do you think they are? Who do you think I'm going to say? Um, do you want me to state my winner or just state a few guys? Well, who do you think the four are that I'm getting at first? Okay. Then state your winner. All right. Well, the four, I think Jokic, Paul George, Steph Curry, and the best player in the universe, Easy Money Sniper, Kevin Durant. That is the MVP right now. I'm, I missed out on one. I'm going to add Giannis also. No. I'm going to add Giannis in. Nope. No, well, aren't they 500? I, they're six and five, I think. And they'll notch above. Uh, All right, so your winner is it's KD. It's not fair. Right? Why are they starting Thanasis with Giannis? It's like they're setting him up to look more valuable. You know, he's so bad. I'm not putting Giannis in my top four. I'm not. Giannis is just – I know your winner is KD, yeah? I would, I would take Jimmy Butler over Giannis for MVP right now. Jimmy's in there too, but he won't – he's not going to win. I'm saying who could win and have a right to win right now also, but Jimmy is in there right now. It's fair. So th- um, those are my four, yeah. In answer, your winner is KD, right? Yeah, best player in the universe. Right, but that doesn't mean he's the most valuable player. He wins the MVP. Yes. If Kevin Durant uh, wasn't on means... the Nets, if Kevin Durant wasn't on the Nets this year, we would pro- our record would be flipped. We'd probably be four and eight. All right, I'm just saying that just because you're the best player, like LeBron would have won ten in a row. Yeah, he's whatever. most valuable though. That's what I'm saying. Like we need right. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, you were saying he's the best player in the world, and I'm like, that doesn't mean he wins automatically. Yeah. And, right. If the season uh, ended today, he would win. Uh, I got to, I'll take Steph. I'm going with Steph because of you were talking about team record before also and what that does. I think that's a yeah. huge part in it. They're 10 and one. They don't lose. And he, you take him out of the raw, out of the team. They might not win a freaking game this year. Let me, let me provide you a stat. Provide there's, me with the stat. I think there's, I think the top, the top 10 scores in the NBA. There's only one player in the league shooting at least 50% from the field. All right, having 10. a ridiculous year. Like he's shooting 58% from the field. I think 42 from three and 83 from the line. The line, whatever. Whoop-de-doo. He'll figure it out. It's good Small enough. Sound. Yeah, he's fine. I, there's no one as efficient, as dominant as him. He is the biggest impact on winning right now. And, James, no, I disagree. Yes. Yeah. There are t- they are 10 and one. If you take the bad lineup, they go 0 yeah, and 11. You're right. You're right. I guess they're like a 1A, 1B. I just think it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. I don't know. And KD, I, 
KD just the reason so KD shoots though. the radi- the reason he is because Why? his usage would be much higher without James on the team. Yes, so he'd be he would be shooting less than fifty percent, give or take, if Harden was not on the team. I don't think so. Uh, he'd be taking more shots. He'd have no choice. Harden, Harden, Harden's shots. not shooting the ball as much as you think. But he's he's, very, he's been very but passive holds, aggressive. But he has the ball more more than anybody else in the court. So uh-huh. he, one, he creates for KD, and two, if he's not in the court, KD has to create everything. That's what I'm trying to get at. So that if KD, then KD's efficiency stats wouldn't look great. Just like Steph, his efficiency isn't amazing and his shooting splits because he has to, everything runs through Steph. Everything has to run through Steph. In Brooklyn, things can run through James for a while, even if he's going to pass the ball. Yeah, and I, I, I agree what you're saying. And Steph is arguably like the most um, dominant offensive weapon like ever. Like defending him off the ball is just as difficult as being on the ball. Like he just creates so much space on the floor and he makes everybody better in so many different ways. I'm just saying like you watched that Nets-Bucks playoff series last year. Like Harden was literally playing on one leg. Like KD was putting up clips still shooting around 50%. Like I don't know. You're dipping in the last year now. See, so that's my point. Yeah, but it's essentially the same thing, though. The MVP like he, award for this season, though, I'm saying. No, no, I'm, I'm tying to the point where you oh, talk about if, if oh, KD no. needed to be more ball-dominant, okay. his efficiency would be worse. Okay. And I agree, but I don't think it's as significant as a drop-off as we think it would be. Like, I yeah, still think he's just – he's unguardable. It's, it's actually crazy. Yeah, he, it, it doesn't make sense. I, just, I did a little yeah. study on his uh, – his jumper's called the Hezzy Pull-Up Jimbo. Um, uh, yeah. His trainer from the DMVA talked to Markel Fultz too. Wonder what happened with his jumper because it didn't really work out as well. Um, but it's crazy how he always does the same thing. Has he pull up to the left, like one dribble to the left, and he's creates space and he's so long and, and he's such a good jumper, man. It's crazy. Um, but I, it's fair. I knew you were gonna pick KD, your Nets fan too. Like that got you that into consideration. So yeah, those are definitely the consensus too, though. <laughs> yeah, and then right, then the next year. Um, all right, before we wrap up, I want to do a little, a little college basketball with us, okay? We're, mm-hmm. We'll just do we'll just do final four prediction, and then if there's any like team or player that you've been like crazy impressed with, if you if in the first week so far that it's been, if that's cool. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's do the team or player for anything you want to call out. Um, just for the listeners, I'm a diehard UNC fan, um, so I'm gonna make a prediction that it's a bold one, very bold, but I think Caleb Love. And Armando Baycott both make the All-ACC first team this year. And Armando Baycott. Yeah. Ar- Armando Baycott's definitely our best player. Um, yes. And we've we, – UNC yeah. kind of takes pride in, like, really developing their bigs and being dominant on the glass. We got a transfer. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're very good at – like, Dayron Sharp, the guy that the Nets drafted this year, like, he led the he led the NCAA in offensive rebounding rate last year. Every year, North Carolina is the yeah. best offensive Every year. That's what keeps country. us afloat. But our, but our biggest weaknesses, our perimeter shooting is terrible. <laughs> And that yeah. only gets you so far. Like when we matched up Wisco in the tournament last year, we got absolutely shelled. Yep. Um, but I think Caleb Love in year two, RJ Davis in year two. Um, we have Baycott back. We got Dawson Garcia from Marquette. We got Brady Maddock from Oklahoma mm-hmm. to sort of like replace the void in losing Dayron to the draft, Walker Kessler to Auburn. Um, so my prediction is I think UNC is going to win the ACC this year overdue. Ooh. Okay. That is spicy. That's a hot take. I like that. Duke yeah. looked pretty good. Uh, Paolo Manchero, bro. Him and Keels, Keels was a better player. He's a linebacker. He's a linebacker. Right. He, he's ridiculously, he's ridiculously good and talented for his size and like athleticism. It's it's crazy. Um, yeah. But that's that's fair and that's like that's you're a UNC guy. It's fine. I'm not gonna say anything about Maryland 
We are terrible at three-point shooting team. We only almost lost to GW last night. I do want to shout out to the best names in the country, Caduce Wahab and Fats Russell on two Maryland transfers we have this year. Um, so every, anything is possible with Fats Russell and the ball on his hands. <laughs> um, he did hit a dagger to, to win the game last night, but that, that's my guy. Um, my big yeah. one is that every year everyone says this team is overhyped and there's no reason to care about them. I think this is their year to be very, very, very good. Do you think you know who that is? Hmm. Every year, everyone says they're overhyped. They always have like a young guy, a freshman, to build. It's, it's not every year. No, it's not every year. A little more low, low scale than that. It's Memphis. And oh, since Penny Hardaway came in, he's oh. always had a good recruit re- recruiting class and like one big name like Wiseman last year. Wiseman didn't play the second half, so like that's kind of ridiculous. Did not really fair. They probably wouldn't have been great anyway, but. They return their two top scorers. Jalen Duran is one of the best bigs in the country. And Imani Bates is next level elite. He is so good. He is unbelievable. And he almost looks like a mini KD playing in college. I swear, the way he plays and scores. The kid's he's 17. 17, dude. 17. Yeah. Like, he's not he even eligible go- to go into the draft. Yeah. So two years. So he's got two years in college right now under Penny Hardaway, Larry Brown, and Rasheed Wallace, all on the coaching staff. He is going to be a problem when he gets to the NBA. He should be the number one pick in two years, like 100%. There's no doubt in my mind on that. Um, I agree. But, he's unbelievable. He's but, he's probably the best 17-year-old that I've watched because, again, when yep. LeBron was in high school, how old are we, five five or six, right? So we weren't really able to watch or follow him. <laughs> so he's the best 17-year-old I've ever seen. So, yeah. But that's my that's my thing that I've taken. I watched him one game. I'm like, great, I'm sold. I was already sold, but I watched him like they are that good. So, um, all right, final four picks. Want to do it? Yeah, sounds good. All right. Go team number one, fire away. You can do like best team. Like if you're going to pick like one of the best teams in the country, then get, you know what I mean? Like get kind of spicier and spicier. Yeah. So my first team, it's kind of consensus. I like the Zags. Same. Um, Hunter Salas. I think he was number 12 recruit, five star. They got Chet. They got Drew Timmy back, the best big in the country. Um, They got, yeah, they got Andrew like Nembar, Nembrand. He's awesome. Anton Watson. He was a solid big off the bench last year. I just see them running through their conference this year and just being the best team in college basketball. I mean, they got to get over the hump and win one eventually, right? I don't know if this will be the year. This is a weird one because they run through two bigs, which to me is like not my favorite thing. Um, But Chet is like a unique kind of guy. He's not really a traditional big at all. Uh, I will say, they're like you said about their bench players like from last year, Gonzaga does this every year. They turn their bench players from one year into starters the next year. They've done it. They did with Nigel Williams Goss is when I first remember it. Like that's they did it every single year with with bench guys to turn them into really good starters. And it's easy to like a lot of these guys are equally talented. They just need confidence and playing time and give these guys it, put them in the WCC half the players in the country and they're gonna get confident real fast. Um, exactly. So it's when good. you're running through teams left and yep. right, getting a feel of lineups, rotations, yeah, no doubt. Right. So that's a huge advantage for chemistry and stuff like that. Um, I'm I'm with you on that one. That's my first team as well. Uh, who's your nice. second team? My second team, uh, I'm going to go with Duke. Um, I think I Coach K co- – yeah, so, yeah, coming from a UNC fan, how do you think right, I feel right. picking them? True. Um, they got a few transfers. Um, they got they got that one big from Marquette. It's I think his name's Theo John. Um, he provides some size in the middle. He looked pretty good the other night. Um, they got Bates Jones from Davidson. They got Paolo Bonchero, like oh. arguably the best prospect in the draft. 6'10", so as a handle like no other. You know, Hoken, he's a finesse guy, but he's 6'10". He's great. Right. And Trevor Keels, I mean, 
to be honest, I didn't know much about him until a few weeks ago. So watching him for the first time the other night was just mesmerizing. He's a bulldozer. He just runs through people. He's very, very good. Yeah, he, he's he's going to be huge for them to not to run through a guy on the outside at least to play to run an offense. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's going to be yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I think it's going to be one of those things where I think UNC actually wins the ACC tournament. And, but yeah. I think Duke goes further in tw- and that happens. That happens a lot. Like happens the a lot. conference yeah. attorneys don't tell you too much um, unless you really need to get into the tournament. But I or you lose early. My second team is Kansas. Nice. They looked great. I, I they they've been my national title pick since before their game against Michigan State. Um, they returned their three top scores and they have the best transfer in the country and he's one of the best players in the country, Remy Martin. Uh, who I think really balances out their their scoring very well. Agbaji had some ridiculous stat line the other night. They are going to be a problem. They're always good. They're always well coached. Remy Martin like disappointed last year for Arizona State, and I think him coming to Kansas is almost like the opposite of Quentin Grimes. He disappointed at Kansas, went to Houston, kicked up. Remy Martin at Arizona State disappointed. Now he's at Kansas. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be amazing this year. Um, the way he can score the ball and he was shooting from distance the other night. Uh, they looked great against Michigan State. They've been my national title pick, and they are my second Final Four team. It's a great pick. I think they're bound to get there eventually. This is definitely one of their better teams they had in a while. They have a mixture of experience. They have size. They definitely check all the boxes. Have, so I could see them making it this year. Having guys that are in their fifth or sixth year is, yeah. one, important and always key to Kansas because they had Perry Ellis. I think Perry Ellis played for like six years, and he's actually on the coaching staff still. You know that? You're lying. No, he's still, he's, he's never, he's still never leaving. He's never he's leaving. Never leaving. Um, but who's your third and fourth team? So my third team, you're going to get a kick out of this one. Cause I know how you feel about them. Um, I think this is the year that Purdue Boilermakers make the final four. Jaden Ivy, man. Jaden Ivy is one of the he's... most explosive players I've ever watched. Insane <laughs> okay. first step. So good. Yeah. They got Travion Williams back. Who's one of the best bigs in the country. Yep. He was an honorable all American last year. Zach Eadie's like a seven-footer. Literally, oh, yeah, they, they always have someone. Yeah, always have some lanky dude, like just yep. throwing the post. Remember when nice. Isaac Haas broke his elbow? And then they Isaac Haas Texas, is... they played Texas Tech. That was the only advantage yep. that they had, and they got smoked because they didn't Isaac have Isaac Haas a unit. That man was a unit. Yep. Um, so I like Purdue this year. They got they essentially have everybody <laughs> back. I think they have like 95% of their yep. scoring back. Sasha, Sasha Stefanovic, I think at 23 in the opener the other night. Um, I think I think this is finally the year that they get through that elite eight to round thirty two purgatory and they crack and get to the final four. I think this is the year. So I'm known for going on record like probably like five years ago, four years ago, maybe less, saying that Purdue is so like such a, they're not mediocre because they're always good. They're always definitely above average. And they're always good. I've always said they're never going to make that jump ever, ever, ever get to the final four ever. And I'm terrified because I I agree with you. I do I don't like them, but I think this is I like them like. I don't like them personally as a Maryland fan, as a Colorado fan, but I like them in terms of I think they're good. Uh, Jay Navi is ridiculous. I think they're they were my fifth team on the list for the record. Like I was like I can't I can't pick Purdue. I cannot do that. I my me <laughs> myself I can't do it. Um, but I don't I don't hate that at all. Uh, I, I can't. They're 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 going to be good. Um, my third one is Oregon. I pick Oregon every year. Sad. Well, that's actually good. They're they're always good. It's it, they re, they return their three top scores also. They have a great transfer class. It's more betting on their success and their coaching staff because Dana Altman literally finds a way to succeed every single season, whether it's get to the Sweet 16 with an eight seed, whether it's get to the final four with a three seed or four seed. Like he, they always figure it out. 
and their team is always good enough. The Pac-12 has actually been kicking up late. Like UCLA is obviously amazing. Um, yeah. I like they have a bunch of really good teams that they're going to play throughout the season. Um, but I still think that they find a way to get out. That's probably bias on me because I always picked them since Dylan Brooks was playing there. Um, mm-hmm. But then again, that's my third pick. So that's a go on. Yeah. No, I mean they're always in the picture. Who's your um, four? My four. So this is going to be a shot in the dark, but I'm going to have to go at Rutgers. I'm just oh, kidding. Oh my I god! No, you scared me. Holy crap! Oh Hell my no. god! Not a chance. Not a Rutgers. chance. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Texas. Ooh. I am. The, I love Chris. <laughs> you Beard, love Texas. Man. You know I love Texas. I love Chris Beard. Um, I think UCLA is probably the third or fourth best team in the country, but I just so don't good. see them making that same run again. Yep. Um, it's just one of those things. Anything could happen in March. I just don't think they're going to do it again. Um, Illinois had Kofi Cockburn back, so I, I thought about them. Kofi's um, good, yeah. Yeah, I just – I like Texas this year. They got Andrew Jones back, prolific score. I also love mm-hmm. the story, like battling leukemia. It's fantastic, back, yeah. Being awesome. Yeah, um, I actually like following the Big 12. I watch, I watch Texas a decent amount, and they got a handful of transfers back this year too. Um, they won their first game by like 44, whatever that's worth, but they look really hot out the gate. And I just love the approach that Chris Beard brings. And I think he, they could, he could bring them over the top. And after what happened last year, mm-hmm. I could definitely see them doing sort of what Virginia did a few years ago, where they got okay. upset in the round of 64 and then they just turn around this year and really over, you know, overcome yeah, things. That's a, I don't hate that there. I know they're popular pick. They're really good. Like they're just, they're just good. Um, I, I can't really, it's hard to argue a lot of these teams at the top. And to be honest, like, kind of like you said, we're going to look back in, in probably like March or April on this and be like, man, we are so dumb. Like we are exactly. so stupid. It's like, impossible to predict. Maybe the Zags go through cause that's an easy pick, but like, yeah. it'll be like, it'll be like Tennessee and Rutgers and no, I'm just kidding. But, and there's always one team to me that's not a power conference team that's in not a true power conference. And my team, I said it before is Memphis. That's my fourth team. Uh, I think they're ridiculous. I think they're so well balanced. They have a lot of scores. They can get it done. Really good coaching staff. And they're in a conference good enough to give them good competition, but to gain them confidence and chemistry throughout the season. Cause they're going to need that with a lot of new players um, and yeah. new styles and stuff, but they're my fourth team. So you have, let me get this right. Gonzaga, Gonzaga, Duke, Purdue, and Texas. Right. Yep. And mine are Gonzaga, Kansas, Oregon, and Memphis. So we only have one of the same. Oregon is such a you pick. I love Oregon so it's much. I need to get a jersey. Pick, I need to get a jersey. I know they're co- their colorways sick. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Um, but at, we'll we'll look back and see exactly how likely that likely that is. Um, but who knows? Um, all right, we got one segment to do this week before we hop off. I'm gonna name you NBA team. I'm gonna give you the team you are. We have two scenarios, three scenarios. I'm going to give you the team you are and a player, and you have to tell me how much you would give up for them. Pick-wise, player-wise, whatever it is, okay? Yep. You are the Celtics. Okay. In current stage right now, a little bit of frustration. The target is Ben Simmons. What are you giving up? So, in reality, Jalen Brown is the better player than Simmons right now. Uh-huh. But given Simmons has made multiple all-star games and – um, the Sixers can't really cough up the fact that he's not as valuable as he used to be. I think the only way you'd be able to get Simmons from them is if you threw in Jalen Brown and a pick or two. And a pick. Wow. Yeah. And again, I don't I agree. Like I don't, I don't, I don't agree with the value proposition, but I'm telling you what you, you made a great point before Tyrese Maxey, thanks to him, they're staying afloat and competing in the, in the East. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Like, there's one guy they want, and his name's Damian Lillard. That is the only person that you're going to trade Simmons for. Maury's going to be stingy about it, right? It's the truth. But think about it, though. I'm not saying I think Simmons' days in Philly are done, but with the way Maxie is playing, if they could sort of pitch to him where, hey, Ben, if you want to play more in your natural position, like him and Embiid at the four and five, and then you have Tobias Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, and Maxi. Let Tobias play play on the out on the arc too. Honestly, that, I, that's I love what that. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. they can make it work, but just considering the asking price for Simmons from Maury, even though it's a little too much, it's overbearing. I think it would take Jalen Brown and a pick or two. So I think the Celtics are saying we need Ben to pick, and the Sixers are like we need Jalen in a pick. So Which that's it I should be Ben in a pick. It should be. I think they're. I think they should just straight swap. I think it works on both sides. I think it's even value too. I think they're on the same level. I legitimately think that they both benefit the other team very, very well. Yeah. So in the perspective of what that the true value, is, holy yeah, shit, with oh. the true what the true value is, I think it should be a one for one. But just if I'm, you know, on the, if I'm Brad Stevens and I'm talking to Daryl Morey and I hear what Morey has to say, he's going to ask for more than that. So I'm just trying yeah. to like be realistic. <laughs> That's fair, but as the days goes on, the days goes on. The days go on. The negotiating power goes away from more and more and more and more every day, day by day, um, which Rightfully is a good thing so. for other teams. That's why every team is not budging, and they're like, "We're just going to wait it out to see if you're still shopping them in a month." Uh, makes sense, but I, I don't, I don't blame you. I think the the Celtics should make the trade. People, yep. Celtics fans won't like that, but I think they should make the trade. Uh, Simmons and Tatum, man, that would that's, be fun to watch. That's very complimentary. I'm all for the Sixers, it. The Sixers would be literally unbelievable. That team would be very scared. Tyrese, Tobias, Embiid, and Jalen Brown, and then Seth or whoever, it doesn't matter. Oh, God. Losing to the Nets in six would be awesome. Would be awesome just watching that series. That'd be a good series, dude. I got to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. Your yeah. other scenarios are with the same team. You're the Mavs, okay? Who okay. Are, are okay right now. They're in a five-seed thing. They're, they're doing what they're supposed to do. The first exactly target, what they are. First target is Miles Turner. What would you give up? Miles Turner. That's yeah. a I picked him out because I think he fits he would fit the scheme pretty well. Uh, I think it makes sense. But that's a good one. I like yeah. this one a lot. Um to be honest with you, I want to include Porzingis in the package, but he's immovable right now. Like that contract is terrible and he's, yeah. he can never stay on the court. So So how many picks and role players would you give them? Hmm. If you're not giving Porzingis. You would probably have to throw Dwight Powell, Kleber, and like two firsts. Two firsts also? It's not a sexy trade, but I just don't see them moving Tim Hardaway because he's so essential to the team. They don't have many assets. The the Mavs, you've seen their roster. They don't have much. Right. And the Pacers aren't going to want, like, we don't need, they don't need Brunson. They don't need these guys. So. Yeah, and I think the only thing the Pacers would want out of it are picks and cap relief. I don't think they would look for a big name in return. Yeah. So that's, that's why I got – I don't know exactly how much Powell or Cleaver get paid, but it can't be that much. Well, I, I think, think it's pa- like $8 million Yeah, I think Powell makes around 80 a year. Yeah, so mm-hmm. Turner makes around 20 So if you could get a first out of it and cap relief, I think – Fair? You mo- yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. It's not a sexy okay. trade, but that, that that's no, – I, I can't argue it. I think – the Mavs would try to be like, what if we just give you Porzingis and like maybe like a second round pick con- or or pick swap because it makes sense for um on talent. They'll be like, that's so much money though. We have Brogdon and Sabonis on these huge contracts and et cetera and Lavert and go to and TJ Warren. Um, but it, it obviously depends. I don't I don't hate that. But the other one. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Here's my here's my counter to that. 
Rick Carlisle used to coach the Mavs. He's with the Pacers now. Yeah. I'm sure he wouldn't want Porzingis on that roster. So I don't That's even fair. think it would manifest. So it's a good point. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Um, all right. Your last, the last one is the Matt. You're still the Mavs. And your your target is Marcus Smart. And you could say nothing. You could say I don't want him on the team. I personally think he fits, he would fit the mode well next to Luca and in that offense and defense also, but on that team. Um, but what would you give up, if anything, for him? I'll give a quick history lesson on that one. So, <laughs> uh, so it's funny, right? Like, obviously, you want a defensive minded guard to compliment Luca. They tried this experiment a few years ago when they traded for Josh Richardson. Look how that panned out. Um, yeah, they're actually they're actually more similar than you think and they're actually on the same team now they're in boston yeah. um marcus you need perimeter shooting and scoring to win in the nba marcus smart is struggling man he's struggling but i he, will he say title, the playoff experience them. and defensive yeah. identity that he brings being a secondary ball handler i think it could work but so what I, are you giving up i would say tyrell terry the guy they drafted from stanford yep, just and, uh, perimeter shooting Tyrell Terry and like a first. I don't know. And a first? The Mavs a don't first? the Mavs don't have, they have assets. No, they have like no picks also. I don't think they have yeah, a pick next is, year. This is the problem. That's why they need to sign people. I don't know why Cuban's being so cheap. Like Dallas isn't a bad destination. Like, how do you not go after anybody? We're playing with Luca too. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe people don't want to play with Luca. I don't know what it is. I have no yeah, idea it's very, it's. it's very frustrating. Like, I don't know what's going on over there, but I I think Marcus Smart could be a good fit. Um <laughs> I would but try yeah. to dump. I would try to dump a player and like a second or and a, a swap maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, they that, don't like they just don't yeah. have the first round picks. If they had an extra one or their normal amount of picks, I would do that. But I just I, I'm pretty sure they still have le- less picks in there that they're meant to have in the first rounds in the next few years. Um, but Reggie Re- Reggie Bullock isn't a bad one. Maybe like Reggie Bullock and a pick swap. Yeah. I'm just trying uh, to think of like three yeah. and D guys that could throw over there because Jalen Brunson, they're not trading him. So he, which I, I would stand by. I shouldn't trade him. He's, he's good. He's good. I like yeah. him. Dorian Finney Smith. Yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> it'd be a, it'd be a role player and a pick. It dep- uh, if it was a first, depending on the player, I think we could both be convinced on that and fair. Right. Yeah, definitely. Fair. Um, first round swap makes sense too. Cause they still have a pick in the first round and the Mavs and Celtics will never be that far apart where it'll be like a matter of, five to eight picks max. Um, so, but all right, that's all we got today. That wraps up there. We'll call it. Um, we obviously appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, if you got any questions, comments, you want to do Q and a, we'll do Q and a next week. Leave it for us. Um, you know where to find us on social media, but anything you want to say to the people, Mike? Yeah, no, thanks for having me back, Rye. I really enjoyed doing this, man. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. And like you said, submit any questions, man. You know, yeah. be more than willing hope, to answer them. So. I hope you like like the double the double person thing because this is going to be an ongoing thing, most likely. Um, and yeah, we'll keep it going. But if you have any suggestions, questions, let us know. We hope you guys have a great week. And yeah, stay good. Peace. All right, we outie. Peace. Yeah.